In this episode, we're going to go over everything you need to get into home distilling. I get this question quite a bit, either uh, on my YouTube channel or on my website, and uh, people are always asking, what all do I need to get going? So I'm going to do this episode just to help you get get those basic pieces together so that you can jump in and start having a good time in home distilling. This is Still in the Clear podcast that distills the art and science of home distillation into easy-to-follow, audible nuggets for the beginning moonshiner. This information is for education and entertainment purposes only, and home distilling may be illegal in your area. I'm your host, Cyrus, and I'm just a guy who lives in the woods and likes to make shine. So let's get into it. Hey, I wanted to take a minute to let my friend Alan Bishop say a few words to you guys. What's up, Still in the Clear fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest, as well as the head distiller at Spirits of French Lick Distillery. So I started off as a home distiller and transitioned to the commercial side, which means I've seen a few things in my time and things that I might be able to help you out with. Cyrus is doing a great job over here at Still in the Clear, educating you folks and getting you ready for those next steps. I would be more than happy to help out with those next steps wherever and whenever I can. So you can check out my channel over at YouTube called the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute, where I answer viewer questions and do some process video stuff. As well, if you're really deeply interested in geeking out about distillation, check out my podcast with my co-host Christy Atkinson called Distillers Talk, available wherever you get your podcasts. On Distillers Talk, we do deep dives with distillers of all stripes from all over the world, be they moonshiners, home distillers, craft distillers, or even the big guys. We talk about what excites them, what inspires them, the stories behind their products, and the methodologies they use to produce those products. You may also be interested in thealchemistcabinet.com, where you can keep up with all the various distillation-related things that I find myself being involved in, and a few other projects. Thanks, guys. Love you. Keep up the good work, and later. Now, for all you folks out there who are still considering getting into the hobby of home distilling, this episode is going to be all about the gear. What things will you have to have? Distilling really is a simple process, and it doesn't require much to really do the job. Don't forget, people that came before us uh, did this in the woods before there was electricity or propane or battery-powered tools and glass hydrometers and gadgets and all this fancy stuff that we use today. And there are still folks out in the woods today keeping those old traditions alive. So when I give you this list of things you need to have, just keep in mind, all you have to have is a way to ferment and a way to distill. That's it. Uh, But there are some other things that are going to make this hobby a lot more enjoyable. And that being said, today's equipment and tools make distillation easier, more reliable, and quicker than it was in the past. Most of the shiners in the past took a lot of time and trial and error to perfect their recipes that they would run over and over and over again. 
I'm betting that most of them only ever ran one recipe because of how much time was invested to getting it right. And over time, they would be able to figure out what worked best for them. Many times, they didn't even fully understand why something worked or didn't work. That's why once they got a process and a recipe dialed in just right, they didn't change it. A new recipe just took too much time and trial and error to perfect. But today's home distiller is much more interested in trying different recipes and experimenting with different ingredients and processes. And this has only been possible really because of advancements in technology and the affordability of new technologies. So now let's get into the meat of the episode. Here are the must-haves. First, you'll need a fermentation vessel. And this can be anything basically that will hold uh, your mash or your wash. So a tub, a barrel, a, a plastic tote, a bathtub, um, you know, you can buy them, you can make them. There are open fermenters, which means it's not sealed and therefore oxygen can get to it. And, uh, you know, different Different things happen in an open fermenter as opposed to a sealed fermenter where oxygen's not allowed into it. You can use an on the grain fermenter, which just means you ferment with the grain and everything still in the mash. That's my favorite way to do it. Some people prefer to ferment off the grain where there's, you know, you've separated the grain from the liquid first before you start the fermentation process. And there are a number of different DIY fermenters, ways to make fermenters from five gallon buckets to rain barrels to 55 gallon drums to water totes. Uh, I've seen all kinds of homemade fermenters because fermentation is really a simple process and there doesn't have to be any complexity in it if you don't want there to be. And if you would like to see my favorite fermenter, the one I've built uh, five of now and going to build another one again, uh, it's a DIY 15-gallon on-the-grain fermenter. Uh, it, it takes less than $40. I, I have a YouTube tutorial that will show you how I did it for under $40. I also have a uh, parts kit that you can purchase on stillintheclear.com. If you don't want to go out and source all the pieces, it will be a little more expensive that way, obviously. Uh, but you can just search Still in the Clear Fermenter either at Google or YouTube and it, it's going to come up. So the other must-have is you'll need a still. And there are many choices today, copper, stainless, pot stills, reflux stills, combinations of all of those. And, you know, they, they're, they can be very basic, like, uh, like a Viver still, and they can be very complex, you know, and very fancy, like a, a copper stillco still. And so, you know, you can, you can get into this hobby getting a still for a hundred dollar bill if you want to and the moon is the limit as far as how much you want to spend if you want to spend more and a lot of people will build a keg still because honestly dollar for dollar gallon for gallon the keg still is probably the best point to jump in because 
Uh, it's, you know, 15 gallons and fairly inexpensive if you can find, if you can locally source a used keg. Um, but even there, that's going to be two or three hundred dollars, depending on which direction you go with your keg steel and whether you know how to do stainless welding or whether you've got to take it somewhere to get that done, that those kinds of things. So uh, even still, for a lot of people, the hundred dollar uh, Viver steel is the way to get into it. You can even build your own steel from a stock pot. And I and I'll share some videos for that. You know, I've built it. A number of steels just from stainless steel stock pots and don't get discouraged when you go online to start shopping for steels and you see the volume and the variety of steels that are available out there it can be overwhelming uh, and deciding what steel to get can be uh, can be paralyzing and you'll never get into the hobby because you can't get past that point of uh, you know I'm worried I'll get the wrong steel. So uh, I did create a free guide how to choose the steel that's right for you. And you can go to moonshinersacademy.com to check that out. And uh, it just it's a quick, simple guide that will take you through a four-step thought process to decide exactly what kind of steel is right for you. And beyond the steel, you're going to need a way to transfer mash from the fermenter to the steel and a way to separate the solids from the liquids, whether you do it before fermentation or whether you do it after fermentation and before distillation. So these can be this can be as simple as just a sieve and a strainer, you, or a cheesecloth. Uh, there's also brew bags that you can buy online that you know you put all of your mash into the brew bag and then you the bag contains the grain and allows the liquid to uh, flow through the bag and you can do something as simple as just siphon it off the top and leave the grain in your fermenter uh, just to siphon the liquid off then you're going to need a heat source and you will have some things to consider here but ultimately your choices are going to be like propane or electric uh, you can do open fire um, but the only reason you would do that nowadays is either for nostalgia or maybe you live off grid out in the woods and that's just the best option for you. You're also going to need some way to circulate water in your condenser. What you use will mostly be determined by the type of condenser that you have. Um, pond pumps are often used to recirculate water from a reservoir because that, that conserves water because you're just recirculating the same water over and over. Uh, or you can use just a constant flow from a water source like a garden hose. I know people that use a garden hose. It, it goes through their condenser and then it runs out into their yard or their garden. And this is why the people who are out in the woods doing it uh, with the traditional ways, that's why they set up near a creek because they need that flowing water to be able to c condense the vapors back down into a liquid. It's part of the process. And so these are the must-haves. You can make your shine with only these pieces of equipment if you want, but I recommend a few more tools. And the reason I recommend them is because you'll gain so much more understanding of the process by using these tools and you get the added benefit of being able to troubleshoot problems as they arrive. 
So trust me, you will have your share of problems. And if you don't have these additional tools, you can only guess what went wrong. But with these tools, you'll be able to kind of, through process of elimination, kind of figure out what had happened, what you did wrong, and how not to do it uh, in the future. I'm going to discuss these by priority in my own humble opinion. You're going to need a thermometer, uh, mainly just to hit target temperatures when you're mashing and fermenting. That's really uh, all you need it for. Most steels nowadays have thermometers on them, and you know you can use them to kind of gauge things a little bit. But uh, it's not even the thermometer isn't as necessary on the steel as it is during the mashing and the fermenting. And those thermometers, you know, you can go, you can get digital thermometers, you can get analog thermometers, uh, infrared thermometers, all of them work just fine. You're going to need an alcoholometer, and I don't even know if I pronounce that right, but all, all it is is a hydrometer that uh, measures alcohol in solution with water. And it's the tool that will tell you what the proof is of your distillate or your final product. You're also going to need a sacrometer. And that is just another type of hydrometer. It's also called a triple scale hydrometer. And it measures the amount of sugar that's in solution with the water. And this is the tool you use during fermentation. This will help you determine how your fermentation is going and what ABV you can expect. Another handy tool is the pH meter. And this tool just measures the acidity of your water and helps you create an optimal environment for the yeast during fermentation because there is a, a range of acidity that your yeast prefers and it's best to make that environment exactly what the yeast likes. And these are the basic tools I recommend for the beginners to start their moonshine journey. Again, for the free guide, how to choose the steel that's right to you, go to moonshinersacademy.com. I'll put a link down in the show notes. And of course, lastly, you will need a good, easy beginner's recipe with the right ingredients. And I recommend the super simple beginner's recipe. Just go to your search engine or YouTube and search still in the clear, super simple beginner recipe, and it's going to come up. You can't beat this recipe for a beginner recipe. It tastes great, and it's really hard to screw up. So that's it. Talk to you all on the next one.